For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. I'm Paul Catalina alongside former Cowboys cornerback Orlando Skandrick. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, the only podcast network with a podcast for every team. Do you believe in your team? We believe. Brought to you by betonline.ag. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at BetOnline have you covered. I was all fired up about the Mavericks last week and told people to bet on the Mavericks. They didn't win again. So that's why you go to betonline.ag and don't listen to me. So take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Orlando, uh, we're two weeks away from the start of the NFL season. We are two Sundays, and I'm yeah. super excited. But let's just rewind a little bit. You told people to bet on the Mavericks? Well, last week, I said, you know, I'm, I'm super excited about the Mavericks. After I mean, you saw it like we did the podcast after Luka hit that shot. Man, I was fired I mean, up. I, I think it was a hell of a shot, but if you're depending on 40-foot fadeaways... <laughs> <laughs> I knew they weren't going to hit 40-foot fadeaways and then every night. Yeah. And then Tim Hardaway Jr. had a night that he couldn't miss, and then he couldn't make a shot in game six. Yeah. Well, and then uh, Paul George uh, broke out of his funk. And that was, I mean, that was amazing to see in that one game. So I guess that was game yeah, six. I think that was, that, yeah. I think that was game five. Yeah, game five. Down. Yeah, game five. Yeah. He was just unbelievable. And then game six, the better team just came out. And, yeah. you know, Paul George was good in the first half. Kawhi was phenomenal. And, uh, you know, yeah. Luka was Luka. And basically playing five on one. Yeah. But no, no Porzingis. And the Mavericks just, they need, they need another guy. Yeah, they need a third guy in that rotation. They need Porzingis to be healthy. I get it. I got excited. I got excited. You know, I thought we might see a first round upset, and I'm, I'm not even a Maverick. I'm a Spurs fan. So first round upset. Yeah, I thought we might see an upset. You know. Oh no. So I thought. I that's what I thought. You know, I thought like okay, but you know, part of it I'll tell you was made me like I'm still a little bitter that Kawhi's not in San Antonio anymore. So part of my brain like leaves like rational thought. Knowing that, like, look, he's, you know, he's one of the top three, four players in the league. I know this. Like, yeah, there's, I uh, believe me, I watched, like, I watched him lovingly for years. Like, everything about him was great. And then he left. And, you know, for whatever reason, you know, like, he wanted to leave. That's his prerogative. Um, You know, they traded him because he he wanted out. But, like, sometimes now, I guess I'm, I'm kind of like a scorned fan oh so you're just betting against them so i'm just like or i'm hoping i'm not really betting against him because i know like my brain tells me they'll bet against Kawhi. he won in freaking toronto like the dude can win like i know that but you know like the the fan part of my brain is like come on just this would be the great one to upset you know so 
Yeah, I didn't. I don't. I didn't see it that way. I just no. seen Luca had a phenomenal game. He's hitting forty foot step backs, and then you know Paul George couldn't make anything, and you knew that that wasn't going to happen every game. He's just too good of a player for that. And yeah, so I kind of. It's kind of what I thought. Clips and six. Yeah. Yeah, and they, that's that's certainly what happened. And you know, I, I thought it was really cool that, that Paul George like kind of copped to uh, just said like what was going on with him. Like, look, man, this bubble was was really wearing on me, and you know, I needed I needed you know to to kind of get out of my funk. And uh, I think that's good for for people to hear that. Like, yeah, like <laughs> you know, even though these guys have this really cool job, and uh, you know, they they have this kind of different life than everybody else does, they they're still human beings that have problems and like it's going to affect them at work just like it would affect you at work absolutely yeah absolutely yeah i like you know and and like it's like it's not like so they're in the bubble and they're at disney world but it's not like it's all like hey i'm playing basketball and i'm riding on space mountain like that's not their life you know like they've got a they've got yeah, a good just being they've been in that bubble now two months I yeah two and a half months and it's, yeah, it's a lot yeah you like i've been to disney world i wouldn't want to stay there for two months it's fun but like you know four or five days like let's go yeah, that's, yeah, that's a lot and being <laughs> away from your family too yeah exactly exactly you can bring a couple of them but i mean you kind of maybe get tired of being around those same people all the time you know like you know, like not your family, but like, you know, the, the people in the body, like it's just, it's, it's a grind. It's a grind. I couldn't agree more, but now let's get back yeah. to the topic at hand. Yeah. All right. So the Cowboys, we got the, well, the NFL starts, uh, I guess the, there's a Thursday game coming up, uh, I guess would be nine days. And then you know, two Sundays from now, we've got all, all the season kicking off and, uh, you know, I like keep on, you know, knocking on wood that we're, we're still full steam ahead. And everything I've heard is that the NFL has done a pretty good job of COVID testing and monitoring and the testing every day. And like, there's, you know, uh, the way that they're doing it, the, the fast results and, you know, not a lot, like I know the Texans haven't had a, had had a single player, uh, that's tested positive for COVID. So that that's, that's good news. And if that's across the league, that's great. Is this, is this since camp started or is yes, this- since camp started well they had a bunch of guys test positive for covid before camp started yeah. so so i think yeah i think that may be one of the reasons yeah well yeah they already they've already knocked it out yeah. <laughs> they already knocked it out but um so the early part of the season orlando is going to be kind of critical because nobody has played and with an off season like the one we've talked about for a couple of weeks nobody's dealt with an off season like this you know it, yeah, it, i think i think you got the teams that like the kansas city chiefs who have got the kind of the cohesiveness and they've been together and they're returning a lot of starters and then you got the dallas cowboys who are returning a lot of starters with a lot of new players and a new coaching staff and a new scheme and i think you're going to be dealing with a little bit of the element surprise for them and you know when i played i always looked at this thing in quarters you looked at the first quarter which was the first four games, the second quarter, which was the second four games, and then going on to the third and fourth. And I think it's going to be very, very important if they can win the first half of the season, if they can go 4-0 and or 3-1 and in the first and second quarter. Because now you're looking at if you go 4-0 and in one of these quarters and 3-1 and in another, you're looking at 7-1. and Or if you go 3-1 and in both, you're looking at 6-2 and halfway through the year. Yeah, and that's, you know, you – I think people have to be, you got to be reasonable. There's going to be games where, you know, they, they beat a team that they should, they should, uh, they should maybe wouldn't have thought to be, you know, 
to beat them early in the season. There's going to be a game, you know, at some point in the season where it it looks on paper like it's a you know a, a bad matchup for the other team, and they lose because it's just not their day. But because that's the NFL, everybody's everybody's good. Even the bad teams are still good players. You know, everybody's paid to play this game. So, you know, if you look at it in the, in like the compartmentalized parts of the season, is the and. You know, it makes it easier to like look at, okay, let's these first couple games, let's look at it this way. Cause you can't think about, you know, game nine when you're in game two, right? Not at all. And I think that after the first week, you'll see, you know, if Dallas wins and goes to LA and beats the Rams, you'll see and you'll be like, oh my God, it's a pretty good team. They went up and beat this explosive Rams offense. You know, they moved it all up and down the field, they stopped them on defense. But then you'll see if they go down there and they may not come out on top, you'll see a ton of concern from the fans. You'll see a ton of concern from the media. And that's just never the way that I looked at it when I was a player. And I don't think that's the way to look at it. I think you go out there and you know what you've been able to be great at in camp and be able to perfect and try and execute. And, you know, you try and make more plays than the other team and you hopefully end up on top. Yeah. With their, with the new coaching staff, do you worry that there's, there might be, a bit of the learning curve, it might be harder for them to get to that three and one in the first four games because, again, no preseason or... No, not at all because at the end of the day, it's about the X's and O's and, I mean, about the Jimmy's and the Joe's, not the X's and O's, and they come with a Pro Bowl quarterback, an all-pro running back, an all-pro receiver, um, a very, very, very dominant number two receiver, if not one of the top two or three number two receivers in the league, and then they come with a highly, highly touted rookie receiver in CD Lamb and a all pro line with a couple Hall of Famers on it. Yeah, uh, Ezekiel Elliott was talking about the offense, um, I guess it was yesterday, and one of the things he said was they're not really changing that much when it comes to the plays that they ran. You know, Mike McCarthy's not going to come in here and say, well, we've got to do this and this and this different because, you know, this is my offense. He knows this is what works for Zeke Elliott, you know, one of the best running backs in the league. This is what works for Dak Prescott. Maybe we can do more of, of one thing or the other. It's just for this offense, it might be just changing up the way that the the looks are they might run the same plays out of different formations that they never did before i do think that you know they'll change a little bit i think you know mike mccarthy has been a three receiver set guy and i think you'll see a ton of three receiver set but as far as it comes to the the runs i think you'll see a lot of the same thing i think you'll see some outside zone some inside zone i think you'll see Dak on the move and things that he done well and i think you'll see everybody do things they've done well with with the mike mccarthy sprinkle on it yeah, and Kellen Moore still calling the plays from from last year. You know, like he he's still doing that. So there's that rhythm again. It's just there's some new, like you said, Mike McCarthy sprinkle on it. But uh, he's not. He's also not stepping in, and he's a smart guy. He's not stepping into a team that was three and thirteen. He was stepping into a team that was that was eight. You know, eight and eight, seven and nine. I can't. I can't even remember right now. But like they were. You know. They were just outside the playoffs last year. It's not like he needs to come down and do, you know, a, a top-down rebuild. He's he's got to take a team that's been kind of up and down the last couple of years and make them consistently better. That's his his goal. Absolutely, but let's not let's not get beside ourselves and let's not be foolish. Mike McCarthy is an offensive-driven coach. He did not take this job with all these great offensive weapons to not have an input. Yeah. I think that you know he wanted to keep Kellen Moore in place to have some 
camaraderie and some familiarity with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and everyone. But there's besides that, there's all new position coaches at everything. You know, they bring over a coach, the running back coach and Skip Pete, a guy who I highly respect, who was there in my younger years, who worked with Marion Barber and Felix Jones and was even there with Julius Jones. And I think they bring him over, which was a great coach who can, you know, kind of relate to Zeke Elliott, but all these other coaches, I don't really know anything about. I'm sure at some point they have some type of ties to Mike McCarthy and it's, you know, it's, it's going to be the Mike McCarthy way. I I don't think that Mike McCarthy took this job with just stepping in and just letting other people run the offense or run the team. And he just kind of be the general. Yeah. And that's, that's for sure. I mean, and he's, you know, I think everybody was surprised at first when he said he wasn't going to call the plays because it'd be the first time in his career that he didn't uh, call the plays. But, you know, look, sometimes you got to, you got to adapt, you got to change, you know, in, in, in a different situation. So uh, I respect the fact that he's, you know, he's at least going to give it a season go of not calling the plays. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, it's not surprising that he doesn't call the plays on game time, but he, he's going to be heavily, heavily involved in game planning. He's also going to, you know, probably be on the field and Kellen will probably be in the box and they will do a lot of communicating. And, you know, I was in Kansas city with Andy Reed and he was a guy who didn't call the plays when he had Doug Peterson, but then went back to calling the plays when he had Matt Nagy and Nagy goes on to be the coach of the bears. And then he has Eric Benemy and now he's calling the plays. And I think I kind of compare those guys as similar as offensive gurus and when they may not be calling the plays directly from their mouth, they'll have their hands all over it. Yeah. So um, how much like, I mean, I know you're not in an offensive headset or whatever, but how much of that is like, you know, um, mostly like, Hey, look at, look at these three things here. Kind of like a, a, a collaboration of what you see in. I think they go into it the week and I think they go into it with a plan and, you know, Kellen being a former quarterback, Mike McCarthy being somebody who's been around some great quarterbacks, you know, his whole entire career. I think they, they kind of bounce back and forth off each other. Mike will have things that he likes. Um, and you know, he'll have the final say he'll, he'll tell Kellen things. And I, I look for them to, to be boomer bust. I look for them to be a top, top offense. Or I look for them to maybe switch some things up. And when it comes down to it, maybe Mike ends up calling plays before it's all said and done. Do you think, I mean, I think we're all kind of assuming the offense is going to be, the offense was good last year. I mean, it just, it wasn't effective in spots in, in tight games. And really, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, Orlando, like we can pick on the offense all we want, but had they had a better kicker last year, we might be having some of these discussions about changing up the offense because they just weren't that good in close games because they missed a lot of kicks. Yeah, but I mean, you got to, to be a great offense, you look at, you don't look at total total yards and just like to be a great defense, you don't look at total yards given up to be a great offense. You look at third down conversions. You look at red zone productivity, two things. Basically, how do you do in the red zone? Do you score touchdowns, which is seven or do you kick field goals? That's minus four right there. And what do you do on third down to be a great defense? You look at how are you on third downs and how are you in the red zone? Did you make people kick field goals instead of giving up touchdowns or did you give up touchdowns? Did you stop people on third down and get them off the field and get the ball back to your offense? And I think all those other stats are kind of jaded, you know, yards per game, rushing yards per game, passing yards per game. Those don't really equal anything. Yeah, I, I, I guess those only only matter if like you're giving up a bunch of passing yards with the touchdowns attached to the back of them. 
Absolutely. But if you're a great red zone team, if you look at the top defenses, they're probably one of the best third down defenses and they're probably one of the best red zone defenses. Yeah. Well, and and I think sometimes people look at it kind of the old fashioned way where teams were still, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust, but the way that offenses are so different, the rules are different for the defense. You can't do a lot of the things that you used to do, Uh, but, but let's not overcomplicate this thing. Don't even look at rules. Just look at if a team moves the ball up and down the field and they kick field goals. So if they get in the red zone three times and they score three touchdowns, it's 21 points. They get in the red zone three times and they score three field goals. It's nine points and vice versa for offense. Red zone defense and third down defense will tell you everything you need to know about an offense or defense. So when, when the Cowboys fans are uh, stressing about the defense or maybe getting gashed on the run and giving up some plays, they just need to take a step back and go, well, those two things. They, how, how did they do in the red zone and how did they do on third down? That's it. Did you get teams off the field on third down and did you force teams to kick field goals in the red zone instead of touchdowns? And I think I think that the difference in this team is going to be is their defense going to be able to do that? Because I, I'm I'm assuming the offense is going to be pretty darn good. I'm just jumping that out there. I, I think that the yeah, offense is I think I think they will. I mean, it's you know, how will they do? Will they be able to stay healthy? Will Tyron and LC be able to stay healthy? Will Zach be able to stay healthy? How will the, that guard work with that new center? How would Joe work with Connor Williams or how would Joe work with um, Xavier? I don't even know if they have Xavier Sia. No, he's gone. Uh, you know, it's so it's hit, like you know it's Joe at center and and you know probably Connor Williams at, at left That's guard right. or Connor McGovern. You know the younger guy. So how how will those guys work together? Is mm-hmm. what it is. And is will Tyron be able to stay healthy? Yeah. Well, will and he be as dominant and as productive as he been. Will Lyle Collins be able to stay healthy? It will, that those are all going to play huge factors. And and every everybody on the line except Joe Looney. Uh, is coming out like uh, Connor Williams had ACL surgery. You know, Tyron Smith has you know his his stuff that's going on. You know, they, they've got to really monitor his his workload and practice. Zach Martin had a little, I believe, like a knee surgery thing, and like you said, Lyle Collins. So all of them are coming off stuff. You know, so it's not like you, know, you can't just worry. You know, think about them entering the year healthy, and uh, and especially you know Tyron Smith is you know he's gonna he's probably going to miss a couple games every year. That's just kind of how it's been is that there's a couple games he misses because he's got that that back issue. I hope that he doesn't, but you know, you would like, you know, those guys stay healthy and play as many games as possible, especially early in the season. You know, you want to have that, that ability to at the end of the year to be able to afford to for these guys to miss a couple games. You would like to be playing in week 16 or week 17 and that game not to even matter and be able to rest them. What's that like? When you've been able to do that, when you can kick back as a player. I mean, I think that I don't, it's, there's never a kick back at the player. You yeah. never take your foot off the gas, but you know, when, when you get up to a good start, you're not pressing at the end. No. Every game, you don't start the playoffs in week 15. I've been on teams that have started the playoffs in week 15 and you got to win out and hope for some help. Mm-hmm. I've also been on teams who were 12 and two and you know, we already had the division locked up. Well, I mean, well, what I meant was like in that week 17, is that like, is that a bit of a relief to be able to do that going I mean, into the playoffs? It's, al- it's always a relief to be able to have clinched the playoff spot yeah. before the, before the regular season is finished. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I would think that mentally, especially, you know, down, like you said, starting the playoffs in week 15, uh, you know, there's sometimes like you know, a couple of years ago, the, the Cowboys, you know, there were the three and five that when they went and got Amari Cooper, they're three and five and staring down the barrel of like, man, this could get out of hand fast. They go to get Amari Cooper and then they, they go on a tear. So not that they're in the playoffs in week nine, but they, they've got to think about things like, hey, we can't, we don't have any, any more room for error. More yeah, or being less. Three and five is being three and five is never a good thing. Yeah, I mean, you always want to look at it, if you're looking at yourself being a playoff team, you always want to say we're going to at least need to win ten games. Sometimes, ten games in the division. Yeah, and if you're if you're three and five, you've given yourself one game down the the last eight for to lose. You know, to get yeah, that ten games, and that's, and that's depending on who you've lost to. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and so, you know, you, you know, teams can dig deep, but you don't want to have to rely on like, Hey, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's run this thing back. You know, we'll, we'll be fine once this happens because you, you can't, you can't control the outcome week to week. You don't know who's going to get hurt. You don't know, you know, a lot of it's just, you know, is luck and like how healthy you stay is, is, is not, you know, it's preparation, I mean, but a lot of it's just luck. It's all about getting up to a fast start and having health. You want to get up to a fast start and you want to be healthy. Is uh, what's the mood? Is the mood different around a team? Like when you are like, do you get do you get stressed? Like when you are sitting in it, like you don't get offered to a fast start. You're. I mean, you just take this thing week to week. You know, yeah. you, it is what it is. You know, the the most important game is the next one, and you know, regardless if you win or you lose, you're gonna have to go and prepare for the next week. But you want to get ahead of this thing. You want to get some momentum rolling. Want to have some momentum on your side because when you have that momentum, you seem that the ball seems to bounce your way. When you're when things aren't going right, it's like, man, we can't get a, a break. We can't get a ball to bounce our way. Well, and you mentioned sometimes you got to win ten games in the division, and this division to me, again, it's it's a little bit hard to read. I you know Philadelphia is probably going to be good, but they've got some issues on the offensive line. You know they they've got. They've had to move some guys around. They've had injuries. They've got all, all this stuff going on. Uh, New York, you yeah, would think, might be better. Washington's kind of a mess right now, but we don't but, know any of that to be true. But one thing about Philadelphia is they have a hell of a defensive line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with those guys on that defensive line, with Malik Jackson, with Hargrave, with Fletcher Cox, with Brandon Graham, with um, Benny Curry, and then they have – Derek Barnett, you know that their defensive line is going to give them a chance. Their defense is going to give them a chance. And you, you've seen that. You know, their quarterback's mobile. Um, their offensive coordinator, is a, their head coach offensive coordinator is like borderline genius, a smart guy. So you know that they're, they're going to have a chance. They have a good foundation. They're, they have a dynamic, dynamic deep threat receiver in Deshaun Jackson, special tight end in Earth. So you know that they're going to give themselves a chance. They have a special running back in Miles Sanders. And then you look at New York. Um, they had a quarterback that showed that, you know, he could make some plays. They've got Golden Tate, who's a proven receiver. They've got Sterling Shepard, who's a reliable, reliable receiver. And they got a special dynamic running back. So you you just never know. You never know when these teams are going to turn the corner. Yeah, and uh, especially when you talk about New York, I remember last year watching and thinking, you know, they they didn't they didn't uh, they didn't use Saquon Barkley enough. I thought they he got he also got injured last yeah. year. Yeah. But you I just know, that, they got a new coach. They're doing things a new way. You know, I mean, you just like you're sitting here excited about Dallas. Everybody is sitting excited about their their chances. Yeah. You know, and they also got the element of surprise. And they got Jason Garrett, a guy who you know was fired from his last job. He's he's got or not fired, but not his contract not renewed. He's also got something to prove. He's shown that he can be 
a dyna- like a an offensive coordinator that can lead and orchestrate a dynamic offense as he did when he led the Cowboys when they had Tony Romo and Marion Barber, Jason Witten, Terrell Owens, Terry Glenn. So it's it's pretty much an even playing field. Yeah, yeah. And again, my like really and I, I expect the Giants to be much better. I do. I mean even the first year under Joe Judge, I, I expect them to be much better than they were because I mean you said it, Daniel Jones showed he's got something. Exactly. You know, and uh, he's young and dynamic and, and, and looks like, like he could be a pretty fun quarterback. My only question, my biggest question of the division is what's going to go on with Washington? Uh, and they've got a lot of their stuff going on with them in the organization right now, which you hope doesn't trickle down to the to the locker room if you're there, but there's a lot of yeah. stuff going on there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. that team. <laughs> I know they do got some... They got some good defensive linemen. They yeah, really, really good yeah they do. Linemen. They got Chase Young, Kerrigan, Underon Payne. Hey. Um, the other kid that came from Alabama, Sean. What is his name? Uh, I'm slipping his name. He's a great kid. Uh, what's the other kid from Alabama? Oh, I'm, I, I can't, uh, not star. Uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Allen. Jonathan Allen. There you go. Yeah, they got. I mean, they got some high picks. They got some high picks though, so they got a chance. You know, teams with with good front fours, they got a chance. Yeah. And and Ron Rivera, you know, this is a guy who's coached a team to a Super Bowl before, so uh, I expect him to come in and, and you know hit the ground running, um, you know, as much as he can. And and again, like you said, we you know all that other stuff. You just hope that it doesn't that it stays in the front office, you know, where it is, and the stress of that doesn't. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how that trickles down to the players when a lot of that stuff happened when a lot of those guys weren't even there. But, yeah, you know, that really isn't any of my concerns. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, uh, I want to get your opinion before we go. It's not a Cowboys issue, but, um, you know, Earl Thomas, we talked about him. He got cut, you know, from the the Ravens. He punched a guy in the face. Leonard Fournette got cut abruptly from the Jaguars this week. And from all, I mean, the Terry Rubisky said it had nothing to do with his playing. But they said, yeah, it's just time for him to go. Um, when other teams are looking at that, how much do you, how much risk is that with a guy who you know is good and Leonard Fournette, but has been a bit of a, a malcontent and a problem that, that a team that is really bad in the Jaguars just said, no, we don't want to, we don't want to deal with it anymore. Well, the first thing you got to look at with the Jaguars, they got a new general manager. They, they're, they're starting new. Um, I think he maybe doesn't just fit in there trying to change the culture, but I think every team does their own, you know, due diligence on a player. And I think a lot of the reason why he didn't claim came with, didn't get claimed came with that $4.13 million contract. And then that's a, that's a hefty amount for a guy that you kind of don't know if he's going to fit in in two weeks from the season. Yeah, absolutely. He might be someone who, uh, who waits a week. Do you think he might wait a, like the teams might wait a week? So they save that money on him or whatever that, that rule is about uh, taking a guy after the first week. Yeah. I, I don't even, this, this doesn't have anything about the first week that has yeah. nothing to do with the first week. He's not a vested veteran. His contract doesn't become guaranteed after the first week. This guy's only going into his fourth year has nothing to do after the fourth week, but it has everything to do with the waiver process. And if you claim a guy on waivers, you assume his contract. Yeah. So I look to see him get signed before the first week. Yeah. I, I wonder, I wonder where he is a fit, you know? Yeah. I don't, I have no idea. I don't, I yeah. really got to follow up with much training camp with yeah. the, uh, the amount of like 
kind of the secrecy that's been going on and yeah. everything that's going on in the COVID world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I don't really know who, like who wants a running back and who wants him or who's, I mean, it's, it's also, who's not happy with what's going on or, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors there. I just wanted your opinion on, on Leonard Fournette. Very curious. As to what I think you'll have a suitor. I think you have a suitor at $4.13 million. I don't know if he has a suitor. I think he has a suitor though at, at a different deal at a, at a minimum deal or somewhere that he can get a chance to prove and, you know, get a chance to earn a second contract. All right. Uh, anything, Orlando, you want to dive in anything else before we go? No, we're good. All right. Next week we get to like, we'll get to talk about the season coming. Like it'll, we'll be able to kind of, you know, breathe it in, which I'm very excited about. Uh, Orlando, always good stuff. Always great to talk to you. This is the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. Please like, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts, retweet us, follow us on Instagram, all of that stuff. I'm Paul Catalina for Orlando Skandrick. So long, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.